My name is Keith Beavers, and I've been doing these fun little quippy <laughs> intros for like four years now, and I'm, I'm kind of running out of ideas. I'll be okay, but if you guys have any, DM me, Vinepair Keith. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is Wine 101. My name is Keith Beavers. I happen to be the tastings director of Vine Pair. Hi. Okay, we're leaving the mainland, but we're still in the south, and we are heading to Sicily. Yes, Etna, Nerodavla, Grillo, Catarato, Carricante. Let's do this. This episode of Wine 101 features Maze Row Wine Merchant's esteemed partner, Tornatore, which is produced on Sicily's Mount Etna. Yes, that Mount Etna, one of the world's most active volcanoes. In fact, the Tornatore family started growing grapes in Etna in 1865, making them the most established wine-growing families there. To try Tornatore wine, follow the link in the episode description to bellroom.com, where you'll find Rosso, red, and Bianco, white wine. I try both. Okay, wine lovers, we have to talk about Sicily. Because... What's very cool about this wine region is that here on the American market, we have been celebrating a wine specific region actually from Sicily for a while now. I think since like 2005 or it's been, it's been getting more and more popular. It's called Etna. And if you are an Italian wine drinker, I don't know where you are in your journey, but if you're drinking Italian wine, you've probably had Etna Rosso, Etna Bianco. And those wines are so wonderful and they, they express themselves in a, a certain way that it really tapped into the world palette and everyone fell in love. And that's awesome because that is just scratching the surface of Sicily. So if you're into Sicily and you've had the Etna Rosso or Etna Bianco, get ready. There's more to try. If you haven't had Sicilian wine yet, get ready. I'm about to blow your mind. Now, we talked about Campania in the last episode. We talked about, how, talked about how, how ancient it is, right? Well, Sicily in wine is maybe even more ancient than Campania. And it's actually thought that vines from Sicily made it to the mainland of Italy and that's how vines got to the mainland of Italy, <laughs> even all the way up to Etruria, which is now Tuscany. It's pretty far north from Campania because Campania and Sicily are kind of like neighbors, but with a bunch of water in between them. <laughs> there is very ancient documentation that vines were brought from Terraminum, which is now Terramina, the coastal town of Sicily to the mainland of Italy. And I don't know much about naval navigation or anything, but it kind of makes sense that an island would be explored first than a main peninsula. I don't know. Maybe because the islands are easy to get to. I don't know. Am I making that up? I don't know. Sounds right. Anyway, but from the 5th to the 8th century BC, the Greeks were all over here. And they started out with sort of on the edge and the perimeters of the island, mostly on the east and southern coast of Sicily. And then by the 8th century, vineyards were flourishing in, in major towns like Agrigento. 
And from there, wine began to spread inland. But the thing about Sicily is Sicily, wine wasn't the main focus here in Sicily. Sicily was a production center for the ancient world and I mean, including the mainland of what is now Italy. And there were, well, fruits, like citrus fruits, olives, and wine, and grain. Grain was the big deal. Wine was important, but not as much as grain. And as we move into and throughout the Middle Ages, this continued. Grain was a big deal. Citrus fruits were a big deal. Olives were a big deal. Wine was a big deal, but grain was the hero of everything. And as wine moved, vines, wines moved into the interior of the island, the Middle Ages saw an island of just small landholders that made wine on a very small domestic scale and were often traded and consumed in the, on the island. So grain was the number one product, and as people made more and more wine from grain, their wealth had them turn to wine. And by the 14th century, there was a very big demand for wine in Sicily. So a lot of land was bought up or owned by the wealthy and the local, local nobility who would trade personally with their friends on the mainland and other places in the world. And with the wealth and the aristocracy and the nobility and the want for more money, this is a moment in Sicilian wine history. And the reason why I'm coming all the way here to get to here is because this is, this is what begins the bulk wine industry of Sicily. A reputation that to this day has stuck with the island and its wine. It's not like that anymore, but this was a big part of Sicilian history. And to this day, 86% of Sicilian wine is bulk. But the thing is, this bulk thing had to happen to get to where we are right now. It's very exciting. And really the, the big moment was between the 60s and the 80s. I know it's a few decades there, but like between that time, bulk wine was a major part of Sicily. And what was happening here was there were international varieties in Sicily, but there are also all these native varieties in Sicily. And after the 80s, like a lot of regions in the world that make wine, in Europe specifically, the 80s was a was a reckoning. It was a it was a moment where it was like, okay, we gotta stop doing what we were doing. And we need to change what we're doing for the future and bring this into the modern era. And Sicily's way of doing so was blending their international varieties with their local varieties. But what they did was, and this is especially over in the western part of Sicily, is they would package their wines with a modern label. So there wasn't sort of the old, confusing European wine label that looked very classical, which is beautiful, but a little bit confusing to the American market. They were very, very bright. I remember the, I remember when this was happening. This literally was happening when I was buying wine for my restaurant back in the day, is the Sicilian wines were coming to me, and they had these beautiful, bright, modern, full of color um, uh, labels that said Merlot. <laughs> there was no... There was no confusion at all. And this really helped Sicilian wine on the American market gain traction and also gain outside interest. And at the time, there were no DC, there was no DOC system in Sicily. So this is kind of a big effort and a really big win for them. 
And what's really neat is the interior of the island had all these old granaries, all these old facilities to make tons and tons of grain that were now abandoned. Those were then transitioned and transformed into wine making facilities. So the wine industry kind of grew from the center out of Sicily. The bulk wine thing has always been part of Sicily's history, but Every time, I mean, the entire time bulk wine was being made, there was always quality mine winemakers making wine in Sicily. It wasn't all bulk wine. And it, it is these winemakers that start to transition the, the Sicilian wine culture into something that we see today, which is very, very cool and exciting. Although Sicily is part of Italy, it's a, it's a very individual place. In that, for a long time, there was a, you know, the Vino de Tavola, because there was no DOC system. Then they had the IGT thing come out, so they had IGT, Sicilia IGT. But with everything changing, by 2012, it was obvious that they needed the DOC. So they transitioned the, the IGT Sicilia into DOC Sicilia. But the capper is, they changed nothing except for the acronym. They didn't restrict the laws. They didn't do anything like that. They're just like, okay, now it's a DOC. But here's the confusing part. There always is, right? By law, a, an, a DOC cannot be the same name as an IGT. So they couldn't have IGT Sicilia and DOC Sicilia. So what they did is they changed the IGT to a different name. IGT Terre Siciliane. I started with these two because this is the majority of the wine you're going to see on the American market. Today, Sicily has 23 DOCs and only one DOCG, which we'll get into, and a plethora of IGTs, or they call them IGPs now. But the thing to understand about Sicily, and I'll, I'll mention a couple of the, of the wine regions, but what's really cool about Sicily is these a lot of the... A lot of the varieties that are grown in Sicily that are native to the island that were used for blending throughout the early late nineties and the early aughts, there was an, a, there was a lot of, uh, work to bring these native blending varieties into the light and produce them as single variety wines. And it's been a major, major success. And this is what you're going to see on the American market from Sicily, especially with white wines, with uh, names like Grillo, Catarato, and red grape names like Nero Davola and Frappato. But here's where we get to the DOC that you guys know. The one that is so popular on the American market, it seems sometimes to be the only wine from Sicily on the American market. And that is Etna. It's a DOC on the eastern coast of the island that is an amphitheater-like wine region that goes up an active volcano, Etna. And in this area, they grow three varieties. For red, they grow a grape called Nerello Mascalese and another red grape called Nerello Capuccio. And they grow a white wine grape called Carricante. And for Etna Rosso, it's often going to be Narello Mascalese with some Narello Cappuccio, but some, a lot of the time it's 100% Narello Mascalese. And Etna Bianco has to be 100% Carricante. I'm sure you can blend a little bit of wine in there, but it's a Carricante. Etna Rosso is blown up on our market. And I think it's because these wines are very, they remind you texturally of a Pinot Noir 
or maybe a Gamay. They have a bunch of acidity, a beautiful fruit to them. They're, they're somewhat elegant, even though they're still rustic because they're Italian. Oh, they really hit. <laughs> they're really awesome. And then Carricante Etna Bianco is a very expressive, somewhat age-worthy wine that has some grip to it. It just has its own sort of personality to it, and it has gained in popularity as well. And those, the thing is, Etna is a DOC. Usually when a, a wine region or an Appalachian becomes very popular, they eventually upgrade to a DOCG, but they don't seem to be doing it there. But Etna is a very wild place, and I should probably do a little bit more kind of a hone in at some point on Etna because there are winemakers planting vineyards as far up as they can on the volcanic mountain to see how, how far they can go up until wine vines don't grow anymore. It's that kind of crazy. And of course, it's a volcano, volcanic soil, Ooh, really good for wine. And obviously, because of history, there's a lot of concentration on the eastern part of the island. Faro, F-A-R-O, is a DOC that is kind of making it onto our market. This appellation focuses on Norella Mascalese, and we don't really, we haven't seen a lot of the wines. There's about one or two winemakers coming on our market, but keep an eye out for Faro because it's going to be a thing. But I must mention the only DOCG on the island, and that's in the southern eastern tip of the island in a place called Vitoria. And here we have a very, very, very awesome, refreshing, crazy great wine called Cerasuolo di Vittoria. In Italy, Cerasuolo means cherry-like. It's part of an aroma profile. And there are two varieties of red, red wine varieties in Vittoria. There is Frappato and there's Nero Davola. Keep a pin in that Nero Davola. These wines are a blend of these two varieties. And I really can't explain to you how these, these wines are so unique. They're bright, they're beautiful, they're aromatic, almost perfumed. Frappato is a very perfumed wine. They're, they're juicy, they're bold, they're just absolutely wonderful wines that are very hard to explain unless you've tried them. And they're all over our market and you have to go out and find them because they're awesome. It's just very interesting that Cerasuolo di Vittoria DOCG is not as popular as the Etna DOC. Wild. But I think one of the big takeaways from Sicily for you as a wine lover and someone who buys wine in the United States is the native grape Nero Davola. Nero meaning black. Avola being a town, I guess, a little bit east of Vittoria, a little around an area called Noto. There's a town called Noto around there on the coast. This variety, um, when you look at DNA profiling, it's basically just a big old mix of a bunch of DNA around Sicily. And this grape, Nero Davola, is the variety that defines Sicily for us on the American market. When you go to a wine shop and you go to the Italian section, if there's a Sicilian section, if it's a red wine, you're going to see Nero Davola. You're going to see Cerasuolo di Vittoria. You're going to see a lot of Nero Davola. This is Sicily's everyday wine. I mean, it can be more than that, but it is the wine that, how do I say this? It's the Sangiovese of Central Italy. 
it's that important to the island. So the way to understand and the way to enjoy this on our market is to go to the Sicilian section, get Netto Davola, get as much Netto Davola as you can get. They're very affordable, between 15 and 20 bucks a bottle. Then you start enjoying Netto Davola, like, oh man, this is really good stuff. Then opt for uh, Cerasuolo di Vittoria, and there you're going to have the DOCG, the only DOCG wine in Sicily, and that is Netto Davola blended with Frappato. So now you understand that. Now from there, you want to break away from the Netto Davola thing and start playing around in Etna Rosso. Now just so you know, Etna Rosso, Etna Bianco, these are wines going to be a little bit more expensive, but they're really awesome and definitely worth the price. This is going to give you a really good understanding of Sicily. And I know the majority of these wines are on the Eastern coast, but once you have those, you can explore everything else. There's an area all the way over on the West coast called Trapani. And there's some really unique, interesting international variety wines still being made there. You'll find on the American market as well. And that is also part of Sicily's identity. So what Sicily is for us is a place that was known for bulk wine. Meanwhile, always great winemakers while that's happening. That pivot to quality in the 1980s is what we're enjoying right now in Sicily. It's a great time to enjoy Sicilian wine because of this. So I hope this gives you a, a nice roundness, <laughs> a nice general idea of Sicily. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of other DOCs out there. And if you see one on the American market, grab it and try it. And then again, tag Vine Pear Keith and want to see the wines. I'll talk to you guys next week. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.